0: What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of MMA Anomaly, the no-filter show. Um, All the no-filter show means is basically we're coming at you live. There's no editing or outtakes or anything like that. You get us raw and unfiltered. Uh, In this episode, we were originally supposed to have Jive Turkey Nano. We were also supposed to have T-Piz himself, TN, in here. Uh, But those guys ended up having some last-minute things come up. So, breaking news, they are not going to be joining us today, and you're stuck with just yours truly. Uh, Hopefully, that's not too big of a letdown for you guys. Uh, What we're going to be doing is basically just doing a very quick episode going through what happened last night at UFC 284 and what we should expect next for the gentleman that actually fought on that card. So, we're going to jump right into the top of things. Uh, we had Islam Makhachev going up against Alexander Volkanovsky. What a fight. Uh, that, that entire fight was bonkers start to finish. Alexander Volkanovsky did absolutely incredible. He did a much better job than I was actually expecting him to do in there against Islam Makhachev. He was able to negate more of the takedown onslaught than I thought he would be able to. Um, Throughout the fight, Islam was able to land four of nine takedowns, um, basically a a 44% takedown clip there. And Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, after Islam joked about them not having wrestling in Australia or not having good wrestlers, was able to land zero of four takedown attempts himself. Um, He did outland Islam total strikes 164 to 95, but these fights are not scored ...on a 25-minute basis. They're scored on a five-five-five-five, 5, five, five, five etc., right? They're scored on a round-to-round basis on a 10-point must system. If you go through that, I saw the chatter online saying that Volkanovsky should have won. But realistically, I think Islam Makachev did exactly what he needed to do to get that decision. He won three of five rounds. I did give rounds three and five to Volkanovsky. I, I completely agree with Miss Mary 616. I think both guys did an amazing job negating each other's strengths. And I think both guys actually, after the fight, admitted to the facts that to an extent they kind of underestimated their opponent's strengths, right? Like uh, Islam admitted that, you know, he underestimated Volkanovsky's wrestling or, or grappling for that matter to an extent. And then after that, Volkanovsky openly admitted that he definitely underestimated or overlooked Islam Makachev's striking prowess. So, not only is he a good striker, but he's a strong striker, right? We saw those strikes doing damage. Um, One of them made Volkanovsky actually take a knee. It didn't count as a a knockdown, which is, I guess that's understandable, but I would have assumed it counted as a knockdown, so I don't know. Um, But in regards to that fight, again, both men, both their stocks went up. They had nothing but praise after that. And I think both guys showed off a little bit, right? Like you had Volkanovsky showing that he can actually go out there and take the grappling on of one of the Dagestani bad guys. Right. Uh, and, and then you have Islam Mikachev going out there against pound for pound, number one in the world, one of the best strikers of all time and makes martial arts. And he stood toe to toe with them for a lot of that fight. So uh, I thought both guys' stocks went up. Now, what's next for these gentlemen? I think Alexander Volkanovsky obviously is going to go down and fight Yair Rodriguez. And then I think the most logical thing for Islam Makachev is going to be fighting either uh, the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush or Dustin Poirier. Um, Realistically, I would like to see him fight Dustin Poirier and then the winner of that fight, fight the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. And then the winner of that fight, go on to fight the winner of uh, the ultimate fighter, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. So that's definitely doing quite a bit of looking ahead (laughs) on my end, but that's, that's what I think would be like the the best storyline and and, and kind of playing of events. Um, Moving into the co-main event, we had Yair Rodriguez going up against Josh Emmett. My goodness. Let me take a sip of coffee before this one. So, These gentlemen went out there and from from start to finish, like if you had to compare this to a a firework, you would say it was a bottle rocket, right? Like it, it maybe didn't last as long as some other fireworks, but fuck, it was so exciting for the entirety of its duration. So, again, you had Yair Rodriguez, who's basically like the karate kid, and then you have Josh Emmett. Who, I mean, essentially he's like Cobra Kai, right? Like strike first, strike hard, no mercy. He's coming in no pressure or like nonstop pressure, relentless onslaught of power and just raw power is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Josh Emmett. I joke and say the guy always has the nuclear option and he does. He does always have the nuclear option. But I also said that Yair Rodriguez was probably going to be too slick for him and have too much movement now. The best thing that Yair Rodriguez does or the thing rather that Yair Rodriguez does best is his ability to constantly stay moving. Right. When he's taking these big shots, most people that took the shots that that Josh Emmett was throwing last night would have at the very least looked more damaged than Yair was at any point in that fight. But the reason Yair wasn't really looking hurt or getting hurt for that matter is solely due to the fact that when he's eating these shots, he's not eating them straight on. Right. Like as he's eating them, he's turning his face with them, much like a Nate or Nick Diaz. And what that does is it causes some of the pepper on those strikes to really just fall off. Um, Emmett was swinging hammers last night. Absolutely. So you had hammers versus baseball bats, essentially, because that's what Yaya Rodriguez's legs have to feel like. Whenever he's slamming those things with that kind of speed and velocity into your lower ribs. Uh, Like, I was cringing every single time he was landing those big strikes like that. They were nasty, and they were so fast and precise, and he was constantly making Josh Emmett think. Like, is he going up top? Is he coming to the body? He was constantly switching levels on him with where he was striking, and that's why he was seeing so much success in this fight. He, I mean, he, he was just completely able to shut down Josh Emmett's game, and he showed that on that night, he was the better fighter. If you run that fight 10 times, I don't know if if Yair wins it 10 out of 10 times, but I know that on Saturday, he was the better man, and as a result, he's earned his shot against Alexander Volkanovsky, and if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that that's a great matchup for Alexander Volkanovsky. If I was Volkanovsky, I'd probably be begging for a rematch against Islam at this point and just gaining a little bit more weight and power at 155 to see how that goes, because That version of Yair we we saw last night was arguably the best version of that man we've ever seen. And if he's just going to keep getting better from there, he might be that guy. He might be that guy that's going to dethrone Alexander the Great. Um, I'm here for that fight. I can't wait for that fight. And honestly, I I hope you guys are excited about that fight. Because if you're not, like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Um, Now, on the opposite side of things, we had Josh Emmett, right? What is next? for Josh Emmett when it comes to who he should fight, right? Like, it's not like he had a terrible performance. He just, like I said, ended up going in there and went against arguably the best version of that guy he's ever seen. Um, Now, who do I think should be next for him? I have one guy in mind, and his name is Ilya Tapuria. I think Ilya Tapuria is on the rise. Josh Emmett has won a questionable decision to get to this last fight, and then he lost this last fight. As a result, bring to Tepuria. I mean, let's see what what happens whenever you have. Again, two guys that are willing to just constantly move forward and not take a back step. I think that that would be a fight where I, I don't know which man would win, but I can tell you that the fans would win. That is an absolute fact. Um, let me know in the comments below if, if you would like to see him fight somebody else. Um, and just, I mean, if you agree, please let me know. Because I mean, again, I just think that those two would be a stellar matchup for each other. And I know that there are other matchups for Josh Emmett out there. There is a little bit of a gap between their rankings. But again, I just I feel like that fight would be another bottle rocket, guys. It would just be fireworks. Fireworks, I tell you. Um, Moving into the next fight. um, We won't go through all of these fights, obviously. I I did want to go through a handful of them, though. uh, At least the next two. So we have Jack Della Maddalena going in against rude boy Randy Brown, and my goodness, was that another banger of a fight, guys. Uh, Just, uh, Randy Brown looked stellar. Absolutely incredible. For every second of that fight, other than, like, two. Two seconds, maybe one and a half seconds, he made a mistake. And it's literally the moment his back touched that cage, if you'd ever seen a Jack Della Madalena fight prior to that one, you know, The second he makes his opponents touch the cage, like their backs touch the cage, he just starts going to town. It is bad. And on Saturday night, he went to town on Randy Brown. And I mean, the way that he made Randy Brown fall, he face planted. The guy face planted forward. It was disturbing. I thought they were going to stop the fight when that happened, but they let him take a little bit more abuse. And, And kudos to Randy Brown. I'm pretty sure him hitting the canvas actually woke him up a little bit. Uh, but my goodness, what a fight for Jack Della Madalena. I goodness gracious, man. There's just the sky's the limit for that guy. His boxing is absolutely incredible. I thought that he was going to go out there and get submitted by by Randy Brown. But instead, he he probably lost a lot of people, a lot of money, because I think not a lot of people were betting Jack Della Madalena or JDM uh, for short by submission. I think everybody that was betting on JDM was betting him by knockout, by finish, by TKO. Uh, so that was definitely kind of a crazy turn of events there. And I have a, I have a few options for who I'd like to see JDM fight next. Um, those options include Vicente Luque, I feel like, is the more realistic approach here. Vicente Luque versus JDM, they match up trajectory-wise. Um, They also match up stylistically. I think that'd be a really, really fun test for both guys. Uh, but you know, let, let's just say that Vicente Luque says no. You know what happens when people say no in that weight class, right, guys and gals? You call Big Mouth. So I think the other best option is we call Big Mouth and we get the guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Holland up in there. Um, I mean, again... Just like Miss Mary 616 is saying here, Madalena 4-0 with all four fights ending in the first round. He needs a worthy opponent. He definitely needs a worthy opponent. So, hey, Ash is in here. Love to see it. Ash, who would you like to see him fight? You think that Kevin Holland fight is a good fight for him? Because I, I think that'd be a really fun fight. Either Vicente Luque or Kevin Holland versus JDM would be just a banger of a fight. And again, that's one where no matter who wins, I think the fans win that fight a hundred percent every time. Um, yeah. Interested to see what you guys think about that one and, and who you'd like to see him fight next. And did you see any weaknesses in, in JDM? I, I mean, I didn't, I thought he looked absolutely perfect in there. Uh, Ash is saying Luke, And again, he agrees. Holland is a good one as well. So thank you for agreeing. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you for joining in. Um, Again, I think both those would be really good fights. I think stylistically, it would be really, really fun to see how he deals with somebody like a Kevin Holland that's able to really utilize every inch of reach they have. Like Kevin Holland is able to go, kind of like Jack Della Maddalena is, he's able to go in there against people that have a better reach than him and make it look like they have less reach because of the way he's able to use his mobility and his reach. It's just stellar. In a very different but similar way to the way that JDM is able to do the same exact thing and impose his will on you. Um, uh, and on the flip side, I think Vicente Luque is just that kind of epitome, blue-collar, well-rounded, every-man-fighter. And I-, I think Vicente Luque, he-, he would pose a lot of problems for JDM, pos- uh, possibly. And if JDM gets through him, my god, you gotta you got to just pole vault that guy into the top three, top five, right away. Um, and this next one obviously didn't have quite as much relevance uh, going in and not nearly as much hype going in as the other three we talked about. But uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Justin Badman Taffa going in against Parker Porter. Um, he looked reminiscent of Mark Hunt in there. The man just literally knocked Parker Porter's block off. He did a backstep hook, looked like a 265-pound Conor McGregor in there. Uh, and, and, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. When you when you see a heavyweight that shouldn't be able to move that way and shouldn't be able to have that kind of calculated, like, quick snap reaction that he did, it's beautiful to see. And he literally did basically the walk-off Mark Hunt knockout. <sighs> My goodness. What, what did he say after the fight? Like, you reach, I teach. That's a bad man, ladies and gentlemen. That's a bad man. And I think the funnest fight that there is in line for him, and I might get a little bit of hate for this. I don't know. Maybe I'll get a little bit of love for this. But I think Justin Badman Taffa going in against Chris Beast Boy Barnett would be a really, really fun one. Um, you got the bad man versus the possibly the goofiest good man you'll ever see at heavyweight. Let's run it. You got a guy that's able to backstep and knock you out with a quick hook versus a guy that's able to do like spinning wheel kicks, even though he doesn't look like he should do spinning wheel kicks. Anybody here ever played Tekken, the, the kind of chubby character, Bob, that's able to do like jumping, spinning back wheel kicks, and like 360 kicks. That's basically Chris Barnett. Um, if you haven't seen that guy fight, look him up. Very, very fun guy to watch fight. And, and if you didn't watch any of these fights last night, highly recommend that you check out the pay-per-view. It was on ESPN Plus. Uh you could probably check it out on the UFC app as well. Either way, worth every penny. Absolutely bomb card. Um will he survive the first round? That is a great great question. Uh Chris Barnett, let's see. Let's let me let me just let me just pull up his record real quick. Um Chris Barnett, let's see what his sure dog is. See, let's see where his losses come from, because he does have eight losses. Round three loss was his last one. Round two loss was his one before that. And now and these losses are against Martin Bidet and Ben Rothwell. I mean, Ben Rothwell is a notable freaking name. He has been knocked out in the first round, though, by Alex Nicholson, which I mean, that's mm, that's that's a little bit iffy. Yeah, I don't know. Does he survive the first round? I think if he does survive the first round, we get a very exciting fight throughout the second and third round, for sure. Um, And and again, (laughs) I just think it would be a fun fight to watch. (laughs) Um, We also had a a little bit of news that happened throughout the fights uh, last night. Not sure if everybody actually heard that news, but there was actually a... What a, a last minute, seven day replacement that we're gonna see here now, as far as next week's uh, main event. So, in the main event of the evening next week, we have a last minute replacement. Aaron Blanchfield will now face Jessica Andrade instead of Tyler Santos. Oh, boy. I would not want to be named Aaron Blanchfield this week. Being completely honest with you, that is a terrifying matchup. Um, if you guys don't know who Jessica Andrade is, um, she's an absolute killer. I talked about her um just a lot uh after her last fight um and I will probably never pick against her again um even if she goes against Valentina Shevchenko I don't know that I would pick against Jessica Andrade so was definitely pulling for Erin Blanchfield in her original matchup uh against Tyler Santos not so sure I'm going to be pulling it for her against Jessica Andrade I think Andraj probably steamrolls her and just destroys Every bit of game planning that that was able to bring to the table. But we will definitely do a video uh, breaking down that card later in the week. So look out for that video on Thursday. And again, thank you guys for joining us today or rather joining me today for this episode. Um, next episode might be solo, might have a couple of the friends. If you want to join in on an episode, just shoot me a message on Instagram or Twitter at MMA Anomaly and uh, be more than happy to oblige. Thanks again. We'll see you all next time and uh, peace.